Welcome, everybody. Today on Lifestyle Medicine, we've got Taylor Dry, who is the owner and proprietor of Mad Monk Tea out of San Diego, correct? Correct. Correct. Very good. And I have to say, from the platform, I mean, from talking to you in years past, and it's fascinating. I mean, I was amazed at how hooked you got my mind on tea, <laughs> which I didn't think could really happen, but I, I was very impressed with your tea knowledge and everything that you've done. So first of all, man, thank you for being here. It's nice to have you yeah. here. Hey, man, thanks for having me. You bet. So will you do me the the courtesy and, you know, kind of share your background with the audience, just what what you're doing with Mad Monk Tea, what it is, so people have a context of, of what you're doing. Yeah, I, um, I was... 23 when I started my, my tea business and, um, it was, it started as a passion project. I, I fell in love with artisanal tea and then it quickly became an obsession. And, um, now for the last decade, it's become my life's work and I specialize in sourcing rare and exotic. Oh, hello. Oh, you're still there. Yeah, that's just a little freeze. That's the first freeze on Skype, so don't worry about it. Your face will uh, unfreeze in a little while for the YouTube viewing people. Uh, so interesting. Yeah, my, my whole phone just kind of glitched, so I'll just keep on rolling. Yeah, just keep rolling. It's all good, man. It's it's not the first time this has happened, so don't worry about it. <laughs> 21st century problems. Huh? Yeah, right. First world problems. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I, I basically um, made an effort to become um, – an expert in the tea industry, learn everything I can about tea cultivation, farming, production, um, preparation. And for the last decade, I've been backpacking across China and Taiwan. I went and um, lived on an organic tea farm on the big island of Hawaii. And I've just been in a deep, deep decade-long R&D, learning absolutely everything I can about the tea industry and serving tea and educating people on tea and slowly but surely I've um, carved out a little niche for myself in the market. Yeah, to say the least, man. Um, just out of curiosity, on the when you were on the Big Island, which side were you on? Were you on the Kona or Hilo side? I was on the Hilo side. I was on the Hamakua coast. Oh, cool. Uh, right up the hill from Waipio Valley. Um, Beautiful. Yep, right on the... Right on the the foothills of Mauna Kea. Um, there's a Japanese man out there named Takahiro Ino who's doing um, groundbreaking work in American tea production. He's uh, following the philosophy of Masunobu Fukuoka, who is a um, he's called the Taoist farmer or the do nothing farmer. He wrote an incredible book called One Straw Revolution, and it's all about um, farming in accordance with natural law. Wow. Is it akin to biodynamic in that regard, or is it, is it different? Yeah, all modern-day permaculture, biodynamic farming, um, biodiverse farming, syntropic agriculture, everything stems from the early workings of Masanobu Fukuoka. And all he really did was um, really revert to a more animist way of farming. Mm. And so... He was just one of the first in the modern society in 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 Japan in in a place that was 
surrounded by industrial rice cultivation to slowly adopt a more imminent animist approach to farming processes, which means letting nature do a lot of the work. And yeah, that's so nice, man, <laughs> because, I mean, it seems like more often than not, right, when, the, when that process is tampered with, collectively things don't go well. I mean, it doesn't, at least to date from what I've seen, when people, yeah, when you let nature do its thing, that's a good thing. You know, it's better in the, in the long run. So, Taylor, give me, years back, I think it was back in 2016, you and I were at an event in, I think, Encinitas. Or I think we had mm-hmm. we had lunch together or something. I can't really remember fully what it was, but you started talking to me <clears throat> about the relevance of of tea culture, more or less. Why it's important to be drinking tea? Why why this matters? Basically, as you said earlier, uh, when we were talking earlier today, you were saying like why why tea matters, why we should be drinking yeah. tea, the ritual of it. Um, and that was the piece that really got me interested. Like I said, I mean, I'm in Chinese medicine. I enjoy tea. I like tea, but I wouldn't say that I had a, I had a, a passion for it, but the way you talked about it and, and I was hanging on every word you said pretty much. <laughs> I was like, whatever you're talking about, I could listen to you talk all day about tea because it, <laughs> it really framed it in a way that made it enticing. It made it it made it relevant and it was engaging as all hell. Tea of all things. I mean, I was very surprised. So can you can you talk a little bit about that? Just the the relevance of tea and the tea ritual and all that good stuff that you you had talked to me about in the past. Yeah, definitely, man. Um, well, first of all, thank you for um, mm-hmm. you know inspiring me with your kind words. It's definitely something I'm super passionate about. So it's really nice to know that that passion. Um, is you know is a, is a little spark that starts bigger fires it so, does yeah absolutely i mean for me i came to tea as part of a deep desire to really refine my lifestyle and live artfully mm-hmm. and chinese tea specifically gong fu cha which is the style of tea that i practice and i teach is a ritualistic artisanal almost like a folk art way of preparing tea. And it has since um, been elevated to the position of fine art in China and Taiwan. And so it's basically preparing tea and preparing your tea space in the most mindful, artistic, um, purposeful way that you can. It's distinct from uh, tea and Zen or religion in tea, like cha, uh, cha Dao or Cha No Yu as it's practiced in the Japanese tea ceremony, mm-hmm. where tea is kind of like the sacrament. Mm. Um, it's a little bit closer to the way that a sommelier would approach wine, as opposed to going to church and drinking wine as part of communion, which is more like what the Japanese, um, how they approach tea in their in their tea ceremony. So it's an incredibly artful way to approach life. And, you know, as they say, how you do one thing is how you do all things. Um, so so true. I so did, true. Yeah. It, was, it was just my in, man. I've, I've practiced martial arts um, my entire life. I didn't and know. I, didn't, I, don't, I think I missed that about your background. I didn't know that. What did, what did you study just out of curiosity? Uh, my parents threw me in Taekwondo when I was four years old. Okay. And <clears> then after that, I went on to study all the Japanese arts, Judo, Aikido, Jiu-Jitsu. And wow. recently, 
nice. with the introduction of gentlemen like um, Kai Van Bodhi, yourself, David Beaudry, I've been taking on a lot more of the Chinese uh, Tai Chi, Qigong kind of Chinese approach to internal self-cultivation. Very cool. And, and believe it or not, the Neigong, the Qigong of um, of China is 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 highly, highly, what's the word I'm looking for, um, complementary to any tea practice. So they've just been, wow. that's what the tea, man, were these deep congruencies, these like deep underlying alignments um, for living artfully, living in accordance to the Tao, as they say. Um, it's just it's just beneficial, man, and it and it supports a contemplative, artful, healthy, meditative life. Um, and yeah. as soon as I as soon as I drank Chinese tea, it was uh, that was it for me. I knew that this was going to be something that I did every day. Little did I know that I was going to take a ten year roller coaster that was going to take me across the world to the tops of mountains and um, to remote corners of the world. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, like I said before, I would be surprised as well, I think, to, to have that journey, to, to be taken on that journey, I would say, by, by this route. So when you, when you talk about the tea and you're saying, you know, it's artfully, mindfully, you know, all these tenets being in place in the, in the preparation uh, in a tea ceremony and whatnot, talk to me about what that looks like. What is mindful tea cultivation or you know when you're doing a tea ceremony of sorts what what does that look like in real time what does mindful tea practice look like yeah i mean it's an art like any it's an art of self-expression and when you first start brewing tea you start by just controlling the tea space itself which is like you know where your pot is where your cup is it's a small little square in front of you but as time moves forward you go from controlling your your tea, the medium, to controlling your body, to controlling your clothes, to controlling the space, to controlling the music, to really just controlling the whole event and every single aspect of it. So part of what makes tea really deep and really fun is after you've learned how to work with the leaf, which you never really fully learn, it's kind of like an endless practice, you work uh, you work with the table and the table settings, and then you work with your attire and how you want how you want to look, and then you work with the space itself and the music, and and pretty soon every part of your life becomes artfully curated, and um, oh. you know it's the idea of a Zen garden, right? You start by bringing yeah. order, care, and love to a small space. And once that small space is taken care of, you move to a slightly bigger space and you continue to expend that sphere of love and care and attention and artful expression, um, ideally into everything you do. Yeah, it's a great concept. I mean, and it's 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 predominant in Asian culture and these you know older world traditions that the whole idea of mindfulness, there's lots of traditions that speak of this principle, being mindful in what we do. And what do you think... I mean, in your experience thus far, that what I would call the presence of spirit, when we are when we are mindful in what we're doing and we're attentive to what we're doing and we are aware of our surroundings and those kinds of things, what do you what do you notice in your own personal experience? Like when you do that, what is glean you know, what do you get from that? What's the actual yeah, what do you acquire from that process? Yeah, man, everything. My, my, one of my teachers always says that tea is three things. T 
T is service. Mm. So it's how we take care of our guests. Um, T is personal and self-cultivation. It's how we take care of ourselves. And T is also a form of uh, self-exploration and contemplation. So really, really to me, mindfulness is becoming aware of our feelings. Yeah. Becoming aware of this aspect of ourself that's beyond thought. And so think, thinking as one aspect of being is a very useful, um, incredibly powerful tool, but it's not the only thing that we have. So true. Increasing our awareness of our, of our feeling body, of our senses, of our sight, our smell, our taste, our touch, and our hearing provides us with a window into something that is, 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 is truly distinct and truly personal. My, my feelings are the most intimate and personal thing that I have, even more so than my thought. So much of my thinking was given to me by my culture, was given to me by books, was given to me by my friends. Yep. A lot of how I think of and conceptualize the tea space was given to me by, by teachers and masters and adepts. But my own feelings about how my space looks, how my space feels, um, that's really what I'm working to cultivate is an awareness of myself. And to me, all that really means is a deep, un unblemished, um, clear awareness of my feeling body. Yeah. And that, that what that does is it increases my um, capacity for honest and authentic self-expression. I dig it, man. And so, <laughs> so much, of, so much of this whole mindful movement to me isn't isn't necessarily mindful of a thing or of an object or of you know even our thoughts as much as it's an awareness of our of our feelings. If anything, I would say that our culture is overly aware of our thoughts and overly attached to our thoughts. And um, all, all art to me is a return to my own personal senses, my own personal feeling, and then a creative expression of, of what those feelings are. And so, um, you know, mindful living to me is as much about balancing thought and feeling. Um, it's really about balancing my thinking mind and my feeling mind and, and, and doing that endlessly, constantly. That's really the craft. Yeah, and and it's relevant to know, like you said, I really appreciate that you say that, right? That um, I think when we talk about this stuff, I think sometimes, not always, right? But I think sometimes Westerners feel ridiculed because it's like, well, the thinking, you know, the intellect is revered in the West and it's really important to our culture, the active thinking process, everything that we do. But it's like, like you said, it, it serves us in a very specific way, but it's not the only lens to look through. And there are some other lenses that we can look through that are very beneficial. And I think it's, I love that it's intermeshed into this tea ceremony practice. I think, I mean, the the idea behind all of this stuff, I think if you're doing Tai Chi, you know, if you're doing a martial art, if you're doing dance, if you're doing painting, if you're doing music, this whole idea of being mindful and being aware of your senses. And like you said, sensing into your body, tremendous value. But a lot of us... Yeah. Are not doing it right like you said and there's lots of reasons why we don't do it we're not trained society cultural rhythms there's all these reasons why it doesn't happen but tremendously powerful when it does and if we can use this as a practice i think it's it's fantastic so it's really cool to hear you 
plug this piece in with the tea. So when you when you started drinking tea and started doing this process and um, really diving into this, talk to me a little bit about the the layout. You know, with my background in feng shui, which is the external design of stuff and how it shapes our psychology. Yeah. Talk to yeah. me, talk to me about the external framework of a tea ceremony. So, um, and you know, I'm going to butcher this, but whatever the little beautiful wooden <laughs> trays are that they, that they, that they pour the tea on, I've seen those, they have holes in them, uh, where they, yeah. they, they pour the tea leaves, you know, and then it splashes down and there's a hole and it drains out. So like that stuff. And then just the environmental pieces, like when you look, when you talk about mindfully crafting, um, a tea space for yourself in a ceremony, what's that look like? And what are we talking about? What's in the environment? What's heck, what's externally happening? Yeah. So man, that's a really big piece yeah. of the puzzle. Um, yeah, have fun. <laughs> we, we could, uh, yeah. So we could approach this in a bunch of different ways. Right. I think, I think maybe outside of, um, the raw mechanical aspects of like what accoutrement or what elements are present in the tea space, um, which, which is really interesting, but requires like another degree of like, like kind of depth and specificity. And it might not be something that we can totally fair enough, totally distill for, for your wonderful viewers right away. Yeah. One of, one of the things that I really like to, um, I really like to think about in terms of what 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 is the movement or the general space of tea is you you have an event that's going to take place and that event is that I'm going to pour some hot water over leaves. Right. <laughs> and I'm going to share that hot water with people around me. Yeah. And it's going to affect their feeling. So higher quality teas are going to affect people's feeling body, the higher the quality of the tea, the more comfortable you are, the better the, the, the cha chi, the energy of the tea. Mm. And so what are the elements? They matter. The quality of the tea matters. The quality of the water matters. So immediately you can't study tea without studying water, which is a very, very, very deep subject. Right. I, this is, have I, I have to just interject right here. This is the thing that got me when you started talking about water, like back in 2016. Yeah. This is what got me. It tripped me out, to be honest. I was like, whoa, that makes total sense. But I, yeah, keep going. I just, yeah, this is the part I liked. <laughs> yeah, totally, man. I mean, we human beings are what, let's say 70% water. The yep. earth is 70% water. All life yep. in nature is water. Water has profound symbolism in Taoist alchemy. Mm -hmm. um, the awareness and understanding of water as a medium is a lifetime of study, both in terms of the science, the religion, and the animistic approach to it. Like to look at water and to think about water is a really, really, really profound journey. Same mm -hmm. with the leaf. But then you need something to hold them. So now you need clay. Right. And now you have to start studying the clay. And that's a whole nother journey. So now you've studied, you're studying wood, you're studying water, and now you're studying earth. Mm-hmm. Furthermore, you need hot water, so you need a uh, you need you need fire. 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 So you need all of the five elements to do tea well. Right, and you need a you need a kettle in order to heat the water. So now you need metal. Right. And so 
the, the basic five elements from a feng shui approach are all present within the tea space. And their relationship is really determined based on their fundamental nature. And we can take that as deep as we want or as shallow as we want. So there yeah. are really simple spaces where you know you just want to eat up the water and drink some tea and there are really intricate tea spaces where you have the best tea the best water the best clay the best fire the best kettle and it's like a it's like a lotus you can you, you could you can go as deep as you want then you have the space itself and you know my relationship with tea is what first brought me into a direct relationship with feng shui Mm. So understanding that the visuals and the feel and the vibe and how much light there is and how much air there is and how much water there is in a space are going to dramatically affect how you feel. It's very true. And so all of this is about understanding that our environment shapes our feelings and that we can control our environment. And so by really really gently at first developing a mindful relationship to our environment, we can start the process of cultivating an intensely peaceful, nourishing, inspiring um, environment for ourselves. And so I always say that like the, the tea space and which, which is really also a, a moment in time when you sit down to drink time. So not, so the, the tea space time, the, the event of tea is kind of like, first and foremost, it's a place for us to discover our little slice, discover and build our little slice of paradise. Yeah. And once we've done that, it's our duty to invite other people into that oasis. And so it's a place for you to treat one one thing in your life as kind of like divine and sacred or really search for the divine, really search for the sacred, yep. sacred, really, really search for the sublime. Yep. And every single day you show up to your tea space and you work on that. And, and then as, as you get better and better and better in that, more and more people are going to show up to your tea space because you, it's really just like more and more people will show up to your house and, yep. you know. Well, this, this touches on, so I, you know, I've got a, you've got my mind spinning in a bunch of different directions because it hits on some threads that I'm passionate about and that I really like. But the feng shui piece, this piece that you're talking about with the tea and the five elements being present, this is just a piece I want to plug in for the people listening. When we look at the context of feng shui, why what, what Taylor's saying is really important in the context of the cultivation of these arts, this culture in Taoism and um, Chinese medicine, the five elements are, the, uh, are so vitally important for all human beings. And the, the baseline of that is each one of these rhythms, these these rhythm, these personality rhythms, essentially that they've I've read this where they talk about the elements as these non self aware personalities in nature mm-hmm. that we were all dependent upon. Now they don't think in the I mean my, but they have a life cycle. They have the beginning and an end. They are life giving, therefore they are alive in the philosophical context. And so mm-hmm. when we look, when we look at these things in the tea ceremony, you have this little microcosm where all five are present. And that's huge because when you're in a home and you're doing stuff or a property or um, a business space or a healing space, whatever it is, these same principles apply. 
And you want to mm-hmm. have the five elements present because as you have a balance of the five elements being present, in theory, what that does for the for the subconscious, right? The deep genetic cellular memory part of us, it essentially relaxes us because these things we were all dependent upon for survival. These are the things that that allowed the human species to evolve, right? They were all, without those things, without those elements, we wouldn't be anywhere. So as you're talking about this tea practice, that's so hugely important in terms of the subconscious programming. <laughs> you have this interface with the five elements in a in a contained way where you're actually tasting too, right? That's that's a piece of, of feng shui in the external world that is often, I would say, missing until you bring food in, which is why food's so important when a, when you have people into a home. But mm-hmm. it's powerful, man, to, to to think about this in the context of, of feng shui. That's really, yeah, it's just got my mind spinning. It's great. <laughs> you got this little microcosm of the five elements that you're dabbling with um, as you do your tea process. It's just so good (laughs) it's very good yeah yeah so when i I, when i first came to tea it was like purely it was purely emotional and like Mm -hmm. and it was just a raw feeling and i didn't really know a lot but slowly over time what i what i came to realize is is this specific domain has everything embedded in it Mm -hmm. so Every time you sit down to tea, especially in China, there's philosophy. Every time you sit down to tea, there's art. Every tea space is thinking about feng shui. The tea space itself has all sort is as a beautiful combination of art and science and five element theory. And the tea complex and tea culture as a whole is basically a 5,000 year conversation revolving around how do we make the best hot leaf juice you know so it's really (laughs) really fascinating man it's cool because like i found it like you know tea's like tea's like the um you know it's the empty spot in the bowl that allows the that allows the function of the bowl or it's the empty you know part of the axle or the hub where all the spokes come into play right and it, there's a reason in Asia it's considered um, one of the h- absolute highest arts. And so, you know, it's, it's hard for me sometimes um, to communicate um, all everything that I've come across in this decades-long journey because I only have, you know, I have so much experience and such, you know, I have such a small mouth. And, but really what I found that was the most valuable were a system of frameworks, a system of metaphors, a system of, system isn't the right word, collection is a better word, a collection Mm. of aphorisms, a way of looking at time and space and the elements that improved my life dramatically. Right? Like, I mean, that's the, that's, that's the, that's the kicker that I think is so relevant is that I think if we, if you find I want to say a venue of sorts, right? Or you find an access point to dialogue with the five elements, whether that's um, qigong, you know, whether that's tea, <laughs> whether that's um, a, you know um, a movement practice of some kind, whether it's painting. It doesn't really matter, but I feel like if you allow, or if you're able, if you're lucky enough to actually get into dialogue, there is something that starts to happen that, at least to me, has always felt like this deep subconscious nourishment. And it's hard to put, it's like you said, it's it's difficult to put words to. 
it's difficult to, yeah. to, to put a finger on it fully as to what's actually happening here. And I think that's the stuff that I really like. I don't know if you've, if you've heard that. I'm sure you have at some point, the sentiment about the Tao, that the Tao whispered, the Tao whispers, it doesn't talk or speak loudly or directly, that it's always a whisper. It's always kind of like in the background, like, did you hear that? You know, is there a, and I, so when that happens, I think that there's, it's what you're talking about, that mechanism of you started to feel things shifting in your life as a result of, of this process. You started to feel that something was actually happening, which is great. I mean, I love hearing this because this is the same thing that happened to me. It was a very, yeah roundabout sort of subconscious process that once I got into it, I thought, God, there's something here. I just don't know what it is, but I'm, yeah. I'm hooked now. <laughs> you know, I'm hooked. Yeah. And it's, it's really about increasing mindfulness, increasing sensitivity, mm-hmm. increasing really nuanced, subtle perception of feeling. Yep. And to the degree that you can do that and be honest with your feelings, be honest with your gut, be honest with your intuition, the it unlocks a form of intelligence that is really beyond knowledge it's beyond books it's beyond science it's it's really hard to talk about because it it, it can only be felt yep and i was lucky that my path to tea came through martial arts and I, i understood that the more I paid attention to what my martial arts instructors were telling me. The more my, my, my singular responsibility was to find balance and to understand this very, very nuanced, complex concept of balance. Mm-hmm. And not to understand it just um, conceptually, but understand it, like feel it in my bones, yeah. feel it in my toes, like be, be, be able to have knowing of balance as opposed to knowledge of balance. Mm-hmm. And, and the more that I found how to maintain a deeper degree of balance in relation to my own body and then to other bodies, it happened in a, what ended up happening is like my relationships started to experience more balance. My bank account started to experience more balance. Yeah, I started to understand like I started – I started to be able to intuit and feel when things were out of balance and intuit and feel how to empower them to find balance. And so I think of martial arts, I think of Qigong, I think of tea, I think of these as forms of, you know, energetic hygiene and forms of cultivation in the sense that they help us become aware in increasingly subtle ways and infinitely (coughs) subtle ways through our relationship to ourselves and to the people that we're doing martial arts with or people that we're pouring tea from, how to strike these deeper harmonies, these deeper balances, these, these, these deeper um, rhythms and, you know, um, and vibes that, that come from from a really, really, really finely tuned sensual being. And um, well said. I'm super grateful that I've been able to um, participate in either of those worlds, and um, really grateful that <coughs> excuse me that to find a whole you know community of people who are interested in living this type of this type of life, lifestyle, of living a mindful lifestyle, yeah. of living a balanced lifestyle, of living a lifestyle, for lack of a, of a better cliche term, in harmony with the Tao. 
Yeah, I I could not agree more. And I think there's that sentiment and adage with, within the context of the study of this stuff, which is to to be sensitive is to be alive, right? The more the more sensitivity you acquire in life, the more alive you become. So that and that's relative yeah. to everything that we do, right? The more sensitive, I mean, you could plug that into sensitivity in any context is going to have you plugged into more of what you're doing across the board. So, right. There's some maxims here that I really like. And I think that's what I like about this, the study of this stuff, um, Taoism, Chinese medicine is that it's holographic in nature. What's happening Mm -hmm. in in one little microcosm ripples out to these, these other pieces. And I think this is like a big piece that I, I really resonated with years ago when you were talking about this, I remember thinking, I, I love that you were talking about this because the confluence in discipline and disciplines is very real, right across the board, oh. whatever your thing is. And when you see this, you know, for me, I come, I've always been an open-minded person and I've always come to this stuff very open-minded. And I would say in my youth, I was even more liberal. I'm a little more conservative now in, in politics and stuff, but collectively I've always had a very open mind. But there yeah. was definitely some walls that I had in place around this kind of stuff where I thought, you know, hippy dippy new age bullshit. It's just philosophy. It's just this and that. And I think it was it was the dialogue with Chinese medicine specifically that that brought it into it became tangible for me where I thought, oh, my God, there's actually something happening yeah. here. And that's the, the the beautiful part about it. And I have to just reflect that as you're talking about all this stuff about tea the sensitivity, right, to the environment, to your body as you're pouring. All these pieces of being highly aware of what's happening. I mean, these tenants, I mean, like the the things you're saying, what's so cool about this is the stuff that you're saying are that these are the these are the the phrases that I'm giving my Tai Chi students on the regular, <laughs> like on, yeah. on the regular, you know, when I'm teaching a class, these same tenants are being driven home. It's, it's it's just it's kind of remarkable. <laughs> There's so much confluence, yeah. so it's really cool to hear. You know, as you're talking about this, I love hearing that that reflection. It's like ah yes, like this is the meat and potatoes that I'm that I'm looking for. Totally. Well, you you and I have the same mission, which is really as artists, the artist's job is to t- put his finger on the pulse of culture yeah. and then create art that acts as you know this is a cliche term but acts as medicine yeah really the 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 doctor is trying to harmonize the culture Mm -hmm. so i think as as educators and as people who are deeply studied in our given fields our our responsibility is culture creation and that a big part of culture creation in fact the 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 foundational piece of culture creation revolves around language and one of the big limitations that I started to realize we have as a culture is, is, is how we speak and how we frame and how we define things. Yep. So like, let's take, let's take, for example, this thing that we've been talking about since the beginning, which is sensitivity. Yep. And, you know, to paraphrase, I could say why tea, because tea taught me how to be infinitely sensitive. Now, if, in my culture growing up, sensitivity was something that was just for women. And it meant, you know, oh, you got sensitive emotions and oh, he's really sensitive. For sure. sure. Yeah. Whereas I think sensitivity 
is a really important concept and it's a word that we need to reclaim and it's deeply, deeply, deeply empowering. One of the one of the ideas I've been holding really close to my chest recently came from a, a great philosopher named J. Krishnamurti. Mm-hmm. And he has this saying that sensitivity destroys mediocrity. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Sensitivity like destroys that. mediocrity. Yeah, now, we don't mean sensitivity in the form of like, you know, um, unruly emotions or, you know, easily hurt. What we mean is a deep embodied awareness of the felt presence of direct experience to steal a, a Terrence line. He, he talks about the felt <laughs> presence of yeah. direct experience. And so it's a deeply embodied, deeply, um, for lack of a better term, rooted sense and present sense of being in our feeling body as much as we are in our thinking body. Mm-hmm. And what I came to find in my martial practice is that all the guys that kicked my ass were guys that could tell the difference, differences in position within centimeters or millimeters. Yep. You know, these were guys who had extreme sensitivity and physical awareness, yep. positional awareness. Yes. And it really was that the guys who were the most sensitive were the guys who were destroying the ones who were the least sensitive. Yeah. No, it's no, a hundred percent. I could not agree more. I mean, even man, hell man. Okay. Obviously like in Tai Chi push hands and this kind of thing where you're like actually pushing back and forth with somebody like that's definitely real, right? Like there's that sensitive sensitivity of the Tai Chi masters. You got the old guy who's like 70 who's uprooting a guy my size, who's I'm noticeably bigger, right? The sensitivity and awareness for sure. And then in things I haven't I haven't studied actively. I've seen, there's a guy I, um, I, I started studying with through um, an Arizona connection, Jared Lash, guy named Tim Cartmel. I talked about him just in um, the last week's episode. This guy, when people do jiu-jitsu with him, they say, he, Tim is like five foot, oh... I don't want to butcher his height. I want to say he's maybe 5'10", 5'9", 5'10", something like that. Maybe 155 pounds. And when people roll with him on the mat, they say it's incredibly frustrating because he's essentially just, he doesn't overexert himself. He makes micro adjustments. He's very calm and relaxed, but he's highly sensitive in his movements and he's able to dismantle people on the mat. You know, he can lock people up very quickly. So these, as you're talking about this, I mean, I could not agree more in every context about the sensitivity piece. And I like the distinction that you made about, um, you said, you know, the sensitivity isn't about being frail, right? It's not about, it's not about being, I don't think you used the word frail, but you said it's not about being weak, right? Oh, my feelings are easily Yeah, being weak or having, you know, overly exposed emotions. I mean, it's about a deep embodied feeling. Right. And there's a tremendous resiliency in that piece there. Because if you can feel, I feel like your um, your intuition, your radar, your bullshit detector becomes a lot sharper in the context of life in general. Because if you're sensitive, you're tuning into the subtleties of what ac- of what is actually happening, and you can actually let things go. Right? You can like push things to the side and be like, nope, nope, nope. I'm gonna focus on that thing because I feel that thing. You know, I feel that I feel that piece uh, in that practice or whatever you're doing. So I like that you made that distinction because I agree. I agree completely. Yeah. It's really important. 
And our feelings are the things that are distinctly ours too. So when, when, when you're a Qigong instructor and you're giving your students access to their feelings, you're, you're giving them access to themselves. You're giving them back to themselves. Yep. And when we're, turning the, when we're turning the eye around, you know, turning it, not necessarily denying the thinking mind, yep. but unifying the thinking and the feeling mind, we're, that's, that to me is like a, a, a much more down to earth way to think about, you know, empowerment and mindfulness is this upgrade of, of not just, you know, not, not just being like, drawn by your 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 brain and what society thinks and what everybody's but really being honest with how you feel about the situation yeah and um you know that's that gets really complex like i i too practice jujitsu and you know the great the greatest of all time a guy named hicks and gracie was said to have invisible jujitsu <laughs> yeah and he teaches this idea of invisible jujitsu. And this is the real thing, man. And this is why, this is what I came to realize. My One of my big aha moments is that, you know, feeling and sensing is really a transcendental art. Yeah. It's totally unseen. Yes. It has no form. So, it has no form. Right. Yeah. And so to be able to, you know, have this like this transition from what is seen to what is unseen and to become come in contact with the unseen, which is your deep feeling body mm -hmm. amongst other things um, and really start to nurture the intelligence of that. Um, I'm telling you, man, it'll change the way your bedroom looks. It'll change the way your relationships are. It'll Dude. change the way you pour your tea. And I mean, tea is, of course, tea is my medium. It's my vehicle for, for understanding and, and teaching, but, um, you know, it's not the only medium and it's not the only vehicle we can definitely, sure. you know, so. Well, well, so let's, this is great, man, because I, this is like, this is exactly why I wanted to talk to you because I mean, I think when we open up this, this Pandora's box about tea, there's so much that's linked into it. That's not necessarily about tea, right? It's about the process, but there's like these, yeah, it's just this really beautiful, elegant design of things that we can branch out to. But swinging back to the tea, like the actual tea yeah. itself, right? So when you, this process of being sensitive, right? I want to go back to that water piece because I remember you talking about the quality of the water, um, you know, chlorine and the filtering process that comes from what you would call municipal tap water, these things mm -hmm. in, in the water and then um, those things having a very real effect on the flavor profile of the tea and changing things oh. and, and doing all of that. So it there's a really interesting thing that I want to hear your thoughts on, which is this years ago when you talked to me about this, it made me think, so, okay, by default, if you want, if, if this process is about embodied sensitivity, being fully present and tuned into what you're drinking, the tea. By default, if you're going to go for high quality water, that means that there's almost like an environmental process that you have to become aware of then. You have to source water. There's all these pieces that you now have to to tinker with and be aware of, right? You're sensitive to something yeah. outside the context of just the leaves. You're, con you're now aware of something like water, <laughs> the quality of the water yeah. coming into this process. So talk to me about the quality of water, what that does to tea and... 
yeah, as as a you know, as a tea connoisseur, as a as a tea you know, uh, gung fu tea guy that you are, talk to me about that process, the quality of water, the the, the flavoring of tea, and all of yeah, just those dynamics. Because I'm curious, I want to hear more about that. Yeah, totally. My, one of my favorite Chinese four character idioms is "jun ban su yan." It means follow the stream and seek the source. Follow the stream and seek the source. I like that. Yeah. Couple, and you, so, got, you got some good quotes, man. I'm digging. <laughs> I like the way <laughs> yeah, I mean that—that's what's cool about the Chinese character or the Chinese um, culture is that you know it's like, you know, you could argue it's five thousand years old. They got a few gems. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely a few. <laughs> you know, so it's really incredible because. Another another great maxim that one of my teachers gave me is that tea is a subtle muse. And so what you come to realize really quickly is, is how much tea responds to the water that you use. And let's be honest, not like 99.9% of tea is water. Yeah. And then right. it's, it's just the essence of the leaf. So when you start to engage with a simple question of, uh, and, 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 and it, and it's, it's great because you get to engage also in the scientific process. Mm -hmm. So for me, he brought me a lot deeper into science as well, Western science, Western way of thinking. Yeah, I started to ask beautiful. questions like, what's the difference between this water and this water? You know, what is the difference between tap water and RO water? Right. What is the difference? between spring water and rainwater, between aquifer water and, you know, water that is coming out of a river. Right, right. These are all different types of water, all different states of water. And what's really cool is that you can run on a daily daily process, if you're interested, you can run these experiments. Like, how does my tea taste with tap water? How does my tea taste with spring water? How does my tea taste with RO water or with rainwater? You can engage in a journey or you can take, you know, a tea master's word for it. But if you're really hypercritical right. and you want to do the, do, do the hard work, and I recommend you do it anyway, yeah. um, you get these, un, un, especially when you do A-B testing, and especially when you do A-B testing with peers or, in my case, with students. Mm hmm you start to get these undeniable realizations that when I drink tea with this specific type of water, not only does it taste better, but it smells better. Not only does it smell better, but it looks better. Not only does it look, but it feels better. And so now we're, now we have feedback from four senses. Right? Dude. So, okay. I have to just ask real quick. So in, in your experience thus far, you know, in your journey with tea, What's your favorite type of water to drink with your tea? <laughs> yeah. I've I've started to find that in big cities that the optimal approach is RO. So reverse osmosis water. Yeah. And okay. there are there the, the world of RO isn't finite. There isn't just one type of reverse osmosis. Mm-hmm. But whether it's a home system or an industrial system, um, what it's going to do is it's going to remove uh, almost all of the 
inessential toxins, fluorides, chlorines, all of the stuff that is really going to damage the flavor of the tea mm-hmm. and affect prints and really just give us a lot of undesirable effects. Quick question on that. You, you mentioned fluoride. So I was un, unaware of that. So is that, so RO reverse removes fluoride from the water? Is that right? It, I think it depends on how, how heavy duty the equipment is. Okay. So like, so different varying degrees of quality in the type of filtering within the RO spectrum potentially can get rid of fluoride. Maybe. I could be wrong, but I was under the impression that that was the case. Good to know. Yeah, yeah, because I I'd have to look it up because I know fluoride is very difficult to get out of water. It's not particularly easy, but that's good to know. Well, so yeah, something. Some, it might, something might to research. be that distillation is the only method that allows that to happen. However, there is a moderate amount of fluoride in some teas as well. So mm. the most important thing isn't necessarily how much fluoride there is or wh- whether or not there's fluoride. The important thing is how much fluoride there is. Right. Okay. Fair enough. So it's, it's, it's like, it's like everything it's about, it's about proper relationship. So yep. if you spend too much time under the sun, it's going to tear the skin off, off your body, give yep. you blisters and cancer. Yep. Right. Yep. But if you show up to the sun in the morning and the afternoon, it's going to give you beautiful sunsets. Correct. And so it's, it's really about proper relationship. Mm-hmm. And what RO enables, especially if you are really drinking the high quality teas that we have is it gives the tea space to offer what it has, it has to bring to the table. Mm-hmm. 99.99% of the leaf is what was in the soil. And so that's vitamins, minerals, aminos. The the tree, the tea plant itself, takes that raw, it's an alchemical process. It takes all of the minerals and trace minerals and vitamins and all of the material constituents from the soil, and it arranges it and configures it into a perfect little gift for the human species. Yep. That is what we, for lack of a better term, steep or juice Right. And then consume. Yeah. And so the problem with spring water sometimes is that spring water has too high of a uh, parts per million. It has too many other, um, you know, minerals um, and material constituents that it sometimes it stifles the tea's expression. Oh, interesting. So, I mean, that's a little taste. On water, it, it it gets pretty deep though. Um, yeah, I yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking about. It. I'm like, God Almighty, there's so much, there's so much here. But I mean, I think this this points to, oh God, I think it's just the larger context of artistic processes, of how many layers you can break down something, and and look at it from different angles and and apply different principles within the context of this little process and get tremendously different results. No two experiences are exactly the same, right? Depending on who you're drinking with, what you're doing. But I think it's just, there's there's something subtly profound about these processes that I really like. It's it's so, like I said, it's very difficult to put a finger on, but there's something here that I'm always drawn to about it that I really, really like. And I think it's relevant. It's so, like, it's the antithesis, right? It's like the antidote to our culture, which is so damn fast paced, everything is just, 
get on your phone, get a dopamine hit from Facebook, you know, from Instagram. Just yeah. everything is just a constant shit show in terms of what's ever what's up what's happening in our neurology on a daily basis. Like we're not right in the head anymore. And so to have a process or a practice of something enjoyable where you can sit down and go through this, I mean, it does slow you down. It's fantastic. So needed. <laughs> so needed. Yeah. On so many yeah. levels. Yeah, that's the artistic process. And I'm, I'm utterly fascinated to the idea of mastery and the idea of craftsmanship. Yeah. And Me too. there's another maxim that I, that I hold dear to my heart, which is that power is the ability to define a phenomenon and make it act in a desired manner. Mm. And so this pursuit of, of taking a, a, like a simple phenomenon like tea and then really like putting, putting your, your, your mind into it, putting your heart into it and putting your feelings into it, putting your thoughts, feelings and emotions into it to gain all the information that you can and slowly but surely increasing the, um, the, you know, the complexity and the frequency at which you can, you can have control or you can have control is not the wrong word is not the right word, but you can commune. Yeah. You can, you can have in increasingly refined degrees of self-expression. Mm -hmm. So what I'm finding is, is I'm finding through both my practice of the martial arts and my practice of tea, something that I see in musicians, for example, which is somebody who's dedicated to an instrument and has spent a lifetime trying to define um, and, and master this instrument, they have an incredible dynamic range of self-expression. Yep. That's so true. And so yep. whether it's a language like computer programming or it's music like, you know, playing the guitar, or maybe you're just a mechanic, everything is 50% knowledge and 50% feeling. Man, that's so, so, that's so true. Yeah, so, so much knowledge an individual can hold. Mm -hmm. And then the rest is our is our own, you know, unique sense of it. You know, from where I sit, yep. this is what I needs to go down. Right. The great mechanics and the great jujitsu ju ju players and the great tea masters that I've that I've spent time with. They're kind of doing this 50-50 thing where they have a they've been constantly increasing their knowledge, but they're also constantly increasing their sensitivity. Right. And there's this dynamic play between the two. And and you know, tea is just one one great place to play in that, that realm. And it works for me aesthetically, you know, if I if I were to anchor this all back to tea and yeah. is that I I felt there was one element of tea that ha that captivated my mind above and beyond all other possible pursuits, career paths for me. And that was to, to come in contact with a world that sees plants as sacred. Yeah. And, and to understand the ramifications of, of, a, of creating a culture that sees all life and nature as sacred that measures health, not just from like a perspective of the human body, but from the ecology as well. Yeah. That for health, 
the forest has to get healthier and the humans have to get healthier. Yep. And so that became for me, that became my also part of my why. Why do I want to master this is because I feel like considering the times, considering the world that we live in, I'd like for, you know, people to be a little bit nicer to the plants, you know. Let's be real. 100%, man. I mean, God, you know, it's this, um, you know, shout out to the Lion King movie, right? The Circle of Life. Like, you know, I remember as a kid, like, you know, really sitting with that concept because of that damn movie and and being like the Circle of Life. Like there's something, you know, as a kid, like I thought, God, this really makes a lot of sense. And it's like, you know, nothing new under the sun in terms of that idea. But that's exactly right. I mean, God, it's it's just a matter of time to realize <clears throat> you spray, you know, you spray toxins on a plant that gets into the soil. The soil, yeah. like you said, is what is is what these plants are soaking up. It's where they get their vitamins, mm-hmm. the minerals, and yeah. then we eat the plants. We defecate that, right? The, the, the feces, the urine goes into you know water water filtration systems. I mean. And then things are evaporated back up into the atmosphere. And it's a closed system. You know, I mean, it's a closed system. And I think that's the thing that people forget. It's like you can't put a toxin into this closed system and think that it's not going to make its way back to you at some point. So I think that, like you said, it points to these larger, yeah, environmental rhythms, right? It's so cool that you've been pushed into, um, I should say, a dynamic where you're you know, pushed into Western medicine to, to research into these new areas, right? Um, yeah. And this drive for, for people to be nicer to plants, <laughs> you know, because yeah. they're so they're so helpful to us. And going back to what you said a little bit, um, you know, that the, the piece that you were saying, the sensitivity, right? Knowledge and sensitivity. Yeah. I always say too, practice begets sensitivity, right? So the more you practice yeah. something, anything, you repeat – you become more sensitive to to the subtleties, right? There's like these little tiny things. Um, Yeah. So there's so much to relate there. Um, Well, Taylor, tell me if I can go back to your, to the tea a little bit and, and pick your, pick your brain on this. So, and this is more of like logistical things for people that actually drink tea. And this, this was a thing when I was in China back in 2013, 2013. No, God. Yeah. 2013. Um, when we're talking about tea and temperature, right? One of the things I heard in China was that Westerners collectively, they, the temperature is wrong. Like we, we usually do things way too hot. So talk to me about temperatures, tea, flavor profile, more or less appropriate temperatures. And I know there's going to be fluctuations, but let's talk about that because I've heard that in the context of Americans, like Americans are just like, you know, like just, ogres you know like oh like one temperature boiling over everything and i've heard that there's more subtle layers so can you speak to that some yeah totally that's a great question um like the actionable beginner items for jumping on the path to tea mastery yeah so (laughs) that's an online course bro just so you know right there (laughs) oh thanks maybe we'll write it together and um Okay, so you've decided that, all right, you come you come in contact with a guy like yourself or me who's passionate about tea and is like, man, if you're going to drink something, might as well drink something that's going to nourish your body. Yep. Now, there's two ways to drink it, and you have to make a decision. Are you the Snapple guy who's going to have 
Tea is going to be drinking you. All you got to do is open it. Or are you, you know, are you the McDonald's consumer? Or do you want to start flirting with making your own food, making your own burger? Right? So is it made for you or are you making it? Yeah. If you've decided that I'm a... I'm a capable person and you know, every once in a while when I put my hands on something, I like the, I like what comes out. Um, and you've decided like, okay, one more thing for me to do outside of make my bed is make some tea. Yeah. Right. (laughs) You're starting to engage in the creation of your life. Okay. There's three things that you have to understand. And the first three things you have to master are tea which is the weight or the volume or the ratio of leaf to pot. So this is a teapot. Mm-hmm. They come in many different shapes and sizes. I have to become aware of what happens when I put a little bit of tea in it and a lot of tea in it. Mm-hmm. This is a variable for control. It can be one tea bag, two tea bags, or in my case, if you're working with loose leaf tea, we weigh it out. It can be one gram or 10 grams. Per, per teapot. Depending on the teapot. How much uh-huh. tea you use is going to be relative to the size of your cup. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay, so so the size of the teapot, that the size of the teapot dictates more or less the grams that are going to be used. Correct. In the, okay. Correct. Okay. The size of the mug, how many tea bags you're going to use or whatever. It doesn't matter. This is These are principles. So they're going to apply whether you're using Chinese teaware or British teaware, whether you're using tea bags or loose okay. leaf tea. Good to know. All right. You have to understand what we call tea, which is the ratio of how much tea for the vessel. Mm-hmm. The second thing you have to master is time. Time is pretty simple. It's how long that tea sits in that vessel. Uh-huh. So is it going to sit in there for... One second, 10 seconds, 20 seconds. Right, right. There's so many. 10 minutes. So many damn variables in the large. <laughs> yeah, right? so, so, so many those variables. Are two variables. Yeah. And the third and final one is temperature, which is what you alluded to. Mm-hmm. So if I were to be really precise and like, you know, give your viewers um, like the deepest and also most simple layer of understanding is that we can't talk about time and te- we can't talk about temperature with without also implying time and tea. Mm-hmm. Because the temperature is going to be relative to how much tea you have, what kind of tea you have, and then how much time you want to put it in. Wow. So in the beginning... Um, we want to isolate variables. Mm-hmm. So mastery is having total command of all three variables, T, time, and temp. Right. So let's just assume that the majority of your viewers are either drinking green tea. Yep. Or sure. black tea. Yep. I'm sure a lot are. Yep. And yeah, right? for sure. And then that, And then that tea is more or less going into either a mug or a pot. Mm -hmm. Okay? And that they're brewing it for a couple of minutes. So let's isolate that, right? So the tea, 
the volume and the time are pretty relative for the, for the average viewer. The temperature needs to be adjusted depending on whether it's a green tea or a black tea. Black tea has less tannin. It's going to be less bitter. Mm-hmm. So we're going to use water that's right around the 190 to 200 degree mark. Okay. That's for black tea. For black tea. Black tea. Green tea is a little more tannic, a little bit more bitter. So we want to use cooler water. I like to use water that's around 160 degree mark. Uh, so the more tannins and quote unquote bitter that the tea is, the temperature is going to be lower. Also, it's relative to how sensitive the leaf is. Uh-huh. And that's and that's determined by the cultivation processes of that specific tea and that you're, mm-hmm. I'm assuming you're privy to? Yep, the okay. style of the tea. Got it. Whether it's really like really broken up and loose or really whole leaf, whether it's old or young, like there's a lot of variables. Let's just assume you don't have a thermometer. You're at home and you're like, man, I don't have a thermometer. How do I know? How do I gauge temperature? Yeah. Well, with green tea, we want the water hot and steaming, but totally still. Right. Right. And with, with, Black tea, we want the water hot with little fish-eyed bubbles coming up. Really teeny bubbles. Not not rolling, but just like, you know, that stage where bubbles are coming up and they're forming and they're about the size of a fish-eye. Yeah. Maybe you don't have control of any of that. Just use a little bit less tea if it's too strong. Right. Right. Okay. So on a deeper level, the hotter the water, the stronger the tea Mm-hmm. The cooler the water, the sweeter the tea. The more leaf you use, the stronger the tea. The less leaf you use, the sweeter the tea. The mm-hmm. longer it's brewed, the stronger the tea. And the shorter it's brewed, the sweeter the tea. Mm-hmm. Wow, so, so you can really play with the spectrum depending on what you want to craft as well. Yeah, in the beginning, take yeah. whatever take whatever you have in your pantry Take whatever brewing vessel you have and start playing with those variables a little bit. Mm-hmm. Okay, I want to make this tea a little stronger. Am I going to add more leaf? And am, am I going to add more time, right. or am I going to turn the temp? Right. Yeah. So that's that's the beginning of the exploratory process. Um, you can shorten that by you know hanging out with people who really know what they're doing, who give you like really specific direct guidelines. Like for example, my website has really specific brewing guidelines that mm. are relative to the equipment that we use and the tea that we drink. And so it gives people like direct access to a path to brewing like the perfect cup right away. But you know, if you want to play and you want to and, and you want to take what you got and make the most of it, just know that you have to master tea, time and temp. Those are the three variables. Yeah, tea time and temp. And, and my, my suggestion is to isolate two, play with one. Isolate mm-hmm. one, play with two. And then uh, yeah. really – does that make sense? It does. Yeah, no, it absolutely does. I Yeah, and it's um, – no, it's a really good framework to plug into if you want to dive into like the sensitivity and layers of this stuff. So I have to ask this question. There's, there are going to be people listening to this who are – what I would just call the non-sensitive types are like, I just want to drink tea, right? (laughs) They're just like, I don't want to go into these deep layers, which is fine. I do. You do. (laughs) There's a lot of people that do, but for what do you see in terms of in in the broad strokes, right? If we're just like to, to like dumb this down a little, 
when you see Americans drinking tea, what's the biggest red flag? Like, what's the simplest brushstroke that you could give to the average tea drinker to make their tea experience better? Because there's usually, and I'm asking in the context of Americans who make basically shitty tea decisions, right? Whether that's temperature or whatever. What do you see in the West for, given that you've been to China and done these things, what do you see in terms of most common mistakes that if you were just to like remove that, your tea experience would be better? Without you know, without going too deep into the the subtleties, which we're going to go back to, but I want to ask for the people that are just more like brutish, you know, in their in their approach to tea. Yeah, man, that's a that's a really great great question. I would say the tea bag. Uh huh. I would say if 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 the American public took one step forward. One measure of responsibility, mm-hmm. which is that I'm going to deal with the leaf. Yes. And I'm going to measure my own volume. Mm-hmm. That practice alone would revolutionize people's tea. So essentially, and it would get remo- remo- removing, removing, rem- removing the tea bag. Is that right? Removing, you're saying yeah. remove the tea bag from the process. Yeah, because okay. the tea bag hide processing mm. problems. And it, yeah, so I would say like, I I would say if they want to step up their game, it would be to step away from tea bags. Of course, look, I have nothing against pre-made iced tea, Mm -hmm. right? And I have nothing against tea bags. Yeah. But remember, the question here was, I want to drink better tea. Yes. So if you want to drink better tea, step into the loose leaf tea world. Yeah. Because what you're going to be forced to do is now you're looking at the leaf. That's an adventure of itself. Now you're engaging your eyes. Right. Now you see, now you see where the plant came from. Mm-hmm. You see how how well taken care of it is. Is the leaf totally intact? Was it treated with like tremendous care or is it ripped up into like little pieces of dirt? Right. Mangled. Mangled. And so as soon as you jump into whole leaf tea or a loose leaf tea, that is the first step on an epic journey. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter to tea, man. The first time you touch, you really touch it, you really hold it, you really feel it. It's like that first time, you know, you're a chef, right? Yeah, I love to cook, man. Yep. It's like that. It's like you want to up your cooking game, go to a farmer's market. Yeah. God, that's so true, man. That is so very true. Yep, I would agree, hundred percent. Do everything that you do normally, but go see what happens when you do a slightly better ingredients. Yeah, well, and that's man, it's a really interesting point because I can say just to validate what what you're saying is that in the past when I have when I have gone. It's interesting, man. That yeah, the best teas that I like typically are loose leaf. Like I mean, I mean, not you know, Ron Tea Garden has a great Spring Dragon, you know, tea bag thing that he does, mm-hmm. and, and I really like his tea because of the medicinal benefits. Mm-hmm. But it's much more of just a for me, it's a medicinal process, not of uh, you know, like it's not me approaching it as like oh high high flavor profile tea. That's strictly medicine. But when I think about the teas that I drink for pleasure, specifically like Jaugulan was one of Gynostema, mm-hmm. man, is like one of my yeah. favorite. I love that. There's something about that tea that is 
central and pivotal to my life force. <laughs> like when I drink Jambalon, yeah. I feel amazing. I love the flavor profile. Um, and it fits, you know, medicinally what it does for my body. It's like good for my profile. I'm kapha. I'm prone to heaviness and dampness. So it's so good. Yeah. But, uh, but it, yeah, like when I've got, I've gotten gynostema tea bags before. Not a fan, like not, yeah. I don't enjoy it. When I get the loose leaf, I, there's a company that does um, organic, you know, uh, Jiao Gulong. It's called Immortality, you know, with a. Yeah. Oh, they have the highest grade stuff out there for sure. I love those guys. Okay. Plug, plug oh. to Immortality. Oh, that's great. So, you know, you know them. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, when I've had Immor- Immortality, yeah. like it's so good and I'm just like, damn, this is so unbelievably tasty, you know? So you just as a quick side tangent to them. So you you know those guys, or you know that that company. You know a little bit of, about them, or yeah, what do you know about them? They're the greatest source for Jiaogulong that I've found. No shit. Well, that's great. In the United States, oh, super high quality stuff. You know, like this is the other thing is like the other option is to go to an expert that you trust. Yeah. Right. So if you want to up your tea game. Yeah. You know, all you got to do is go, you know, if you want to up your food game, you can go to a Whole Foods instead of a farm. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and, and dragon, you know, dragon herbs, like, man, they're, they're some of the best stuff on, on the planet. Like, you know, yeah. buying stuff, dragon herbs is pretty much a go. But having said that, if you want to up your gynostema game, you yeah. want to get a quality loose leaf. Now you're engaging in the plant directly. Right. And now you've started that iterative process. Mm-hmm. Now you know. Now you at least feel what the leaf looks like, see what the leaf looks like, taste yep. what it, it tastes like, and and now you can engage in this process of like, hmm, okay. Now there's more information available to you that hasn't been, you know, right. They right. they they they've done it. You know, the tea bag is like the it's like the bottle. You know, it's like a baby feeder. Yeah. Right? right. Like if you want nutrition, you can you can go to the store and buy Ensure. Right. Right. You can buy some bullshit, right? <laughs> right? Or you can go to the store and cook your own food. And so really this is this is the challenge too. I mean, this is the bottom line is like if if people want to enter into higher states of anything, yeah. The need to accept a measure of personal volition, responsibility, and control. Yeah, I agree, buddy. <laughs> you I, can't, I agree. You cannot expect the best teas on earth to just fall into your mouth. Yeah, right. And you can't show up to a jujitsu class and expect to start tapping out black belts. Right. Yeah, the, and if you right, if yeah. you want to eat the most delicious food on the planet, you have two choices: make millions of dollars and go to high-end restaurants, or learn how to cook, learn what you like. There's a certain measure of personal volition, yeah. and decide that, like, hey, I want to drink the best teas in the world. Yeah. Um, then there's there's people like myself out there that can be your Sherpas on the on these treks up through the T Mountains. Yeah. Just like if you want a great chef or if you want to have really, really divine feng shui in your house, you go see Gray, you know. <laughs> yeah. Or if you want to learn, you know, high level internal martial arts, you go see Gray, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like there are people who've done the work that you can go and spend time with, but you still gotta show up. 
Right, man. That right. That's that's no. I love that thread because you're speaking my language. First of all, uh, you know these are like sentiments in terms of I can really tell how much <laughs> how similar we are in terms of our. Um, I would say like the artist mind and the cultivation process and like how we think is very similar, man. Because when I'm, I, I say that I say this to my my Tai Chi students on the regular, where I say, look, if you're gonna study Tai Chi, there's there's kind of a catch twenty two here which is it, there's a very real distinctive relationship between to cultivate health within the spectrum of this art, you have to develop skill. Like there is a skill that is required that you have to work on and craft. And as you develop that skill, it yields the fruit of health, right? A better, yeah. a better balance, a better circulation of um, cleaner ye right cleaner intent intellect focus like those things become mm. clear and sharper through the cultivation of the skill but it requires skill so even if you're not naturally talented you're still going to have to work on skill and even if you're talented naturally you're still going to have to hone that skill and as you do that right that's that's the that's the the feedback loop that's so cool because people they it's you can't just show up and expect it to happen <laughs> more or less you do have to do the work you have to show up and, and and discipline yourself and the actions so i can relate to that fully man as you're saying that that makes um a lot of sense to me and and it's a yeah, great it's a it's a work. great attitude it's a great attitude when you're approaching this kind of stuff and it's it's the same with cooking man you know very much the yeah. same like cooking i'm always telling people i tell people too um you know with cooking in particular i'm saying I was like, if you don't know how to to basically cook, right? I'm not I'm not judging people. Like if people don't cook because they genuinely don't like it, like it's not for everybody. But if you have even an inclination to cook and you're not capitalizing on it, it's I always say it's like you know you're cutting out one of your legs in the race before you've even begun. Like you're you're it's a it's a it's a huge dropout if you have no relationship to the food uh, that you're cooking because if you're putting it in your body. So your hands should be on it. You should know what it's, what's in it. You know, there's a, there's a piece there. Like you said, it's just, I can, I could go on at nauseum <laughs> to support, no, to support what you're I, saying. Yeah. And I, the thing that I, I was most drawn to the thing I love the most about you, the thing I appreciate the most about you is you just want to get your hands dirty, man. You have a zest for life. You're like, what yep. is that? I think that I could put my gray stamp on it and then you <laughs> yes. just dive. Yeah, it's very true, and man. So everything that, every skill that you've developed, you put your own stamp on and you've kind of like made this special like gray, you know, whether it's your cooking yeah. or whether it's, you know, it, it doesn't matter. It's like you're putting, it's, when you develop skill, you increase your capacity for authentic self-expression. And you can't go to the CVS and buy skill. <laughs> yeah, it's very true. <laughs> it's not going to be a good journey. <laughs> that is for sure, man. So, you know, I'm not saying, like, there are times in my life when I think, man, wouldn't it have been great if the skill I had chosen to craft was, you know, real estate acquisition or... <laughs> Right. You know, right. Capital market <laughs> totally. investments. Or, oh yeah, know? man. Yep. But I chose Same. I chose crafts. I chose I chose to pursue things that were were in deep congruent alignment with my passions and my nature. Yep. And if I've learned anything, it's 
again, like that path of mastery, thinking of ourselves as craftsmen, that the iterative process that like, um, you, I'm sure you've seen um, Marco Polo on Netflix. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Hundred Eyes has a great monologue. He's like, he's talking about what Gong Fu is. And he, he says it's endless repetition. Yeah. And it's this movement, not mindless repetition, but endless repetition and this movement towards slowly but surely increasing your skill. Yep. And so YT, because man, really interesting happens when you pour when you pour a really beautiful pot of tea for somebody. First and foremost, if if I pour a really beautiful pot of tea for myself, it sets up my entire day. Yeah, right. My energy levels, my sense of peace, my sense of calm, my sense of uh, force, of endurance, my sense, my core stability. It's like a deep foundational process. It opens my 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 channels. Like literally, it it has vasodilating effects, so it increases yeah. my. That's just for me, man. But if I can do that for other people and do it in a beautiful setting, do it in a thoughtful setting. Oh yeah. If we can to facilitate deep conversation. Yeah. So pouring a really beautiful cup of tea for yourself is a beautiful process. Pouring a really beautiful cup of tea for other people is a beautiful process. And it's a really simple thing that you can do for yourself and for others. And oh, yeah. yep. just in the same way that like, you know, when I do my Qigong practice, I know it's not just for me. Yeah. I know if I do my Qigong practice and my breath work this morning, <laughs> I'm going to be at least 5% less of an asshole to everybody I meet. <laughs> right, right. Less of a douchebag for sure. Yeah. At least 5% more focused, 5% more relaxed, 5% more energized. Um, well, and it I, helped yeah. me, you know, get anchored into this, you know, this idea of being balanced, being strong. You know, the, the, you'll love this, man. Like the Chinese tea masters talk a lot about di qi, which is, is terrestrial qi. It's earth qi. Mm. And tian qi, which is celestial qi. Yeah, heaven qi, right? Yeah. Heaven qi, right? And they say qi, qigong is the practice of collecting and harmonizing di qi and collecting and harmonizing tian qi, yep. right? And they say the best qigong practitioners on planet earth are trees. Oh, right, like, and right, a it. bridge between heaven and earth in a way, yeah. <laughs> Perfect bridge. Yeah. And they exhibit this force that a lot of my, my tai chi and qigong teachers have talked about, which is liao mian li, which is Energy moving in six directions at once. Mm. Okay? So that's out to the sides, out to the front, down and up. And now think about what a tree's doing. Right. It's moving out and down in all directions yeah. and absorbing yep. from all directions, up and out in all directions. It's it's chi that's moving in all directions at once. Right. Omnidirectional chi. Oh, I dig it, man. I like it. Have, if so, if I, a martial practice can bring me to that place or a tea practice yeah. can bring me to that place or I don't care what it is, just take me to that place, man. 
Yeah. Yeah. Get me through that portal, right? Get me to that. Get me to that party real quick. Um, Yeah. Well, and I think that's that's the that's the that's the piece in all of this that I like so much, right? It's the experiential medicine. It is the um, you know it's it's the people that I think are more inclined to buy experiences rather than material stuff, right? There's there's like that framework in this where your your currency is the quality of experience right that like how well can you craft an experience which is why you know i all like in my my chart right my like chinese astrology chart right i'm a metal rooster i have all these houses and different things but dude one of the things i like i fucking love more than anything is crafting an epic party and it's for this very reason it's like getting good music good food, good environment, good lighting, good everything. And then you don't have to do anything. People are like, oh, are you going to play games? I'm like, no. You set the stage, you get good quality people there that you like, and you just like go. You know, <laughs> you're like, have, yeah. have at it. And there's like an alchemy, right, that just happens from setting the stage. And it's one, yeah. of, my, one of my favorite things. You know, we like, I mean, it was such a blast, like, especially in grad school at Five Branches. We did that. And um yeah, man, we used to have our buddy shout out to uh, Ariel. He we would we would have him. We would like we would tell him to bring his uh, to to bring his tea stuff. We're like, dude, come on, like come to the party and set up, <laughs> set up in the back gazebo, and he would set up his whole tea thing, you know. And it was like yeah. in in the party in the mix, there was someone back there serving quality tea, and it was it was a shit, you know. It was great, man. It's it's such a beautiful um, beautiful thing to do. I have to ask. Just real quick, as you were talking about the um, the you know terrestrial energy, heaven energy. There's a have you heard of this the concept, or and maybe you know it from you know just um, you know Chinese Chinese languaging. Have you heard of Ling? Have you heard of this? L- uh, L- uh, it depends. L I mean L I N G. It's 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 a term. And maybe I'll explain it, and you can tell me if you've heard of this because. So Lillian Bridges, my my face reading teacher, she talks about mm-hmm. Ling, talks about Ling, and it's it's this very difficult concept to describe, but it's essentially. So Ling is sort of like the. When heaven and earth blend, right? There's a process of those things, and man is seen as an intermediary between heaven and earth in classical Chinese medicine, and then. As those things coalesce and move through man, and that, and that, as they cultivate, there's sort of like this—I uh, don't know what you want to call it—almost like an offshoot or um, a byproduct of, which is sort of like the magic, the magic mystery and wonder of the natural world. And this is something mm. that she's like, you can actually, yeah. So she's like, you can accumulate this. You can actually <laughs> a- acquire Ling. And so she's like, you know, Ling is going to be different for for different people, but it's very poetic when she talks about it. She says, Ling, so when immediately after a first, like a first downpour, when you go outside, there's a smell. There's a smell that's happened right after a first rain when all the trees have just been hit, their oils have opened up. She's like, and it passes quickly, right? Because there's wind kicks up. But there's this moment, like when you go outside right after a first rain, she's like, you'll smell the ozone, you'll smell, she's like, there's a very specific thing. And she's like, when you accumulate that, right, when you're sensitive and you're waiting and you're attentive, you can gather Ling. And when you gather Ling, there is this, you know, attunement to 
to to the mysterious you know <laughs> to this you can Ooh. you can like start to pick up Ooh, this is this is tasty oh it's great mm. man like she's got a whole course um there's a and i haven't done it yet and i'm going to at some point but she's got a whole face reading bit course on ling right how to see ling in the face if a person has enough ling so what i found like when she said this one of the ways that like i realized since i was a kid man i've accumulated ling like the, the magic mystery and wonderment of the natural world and I'm not, this isn't original. I know other people do this. I've just linked up this idea with Ling. Going outside on a cloudy day, laying on grass and looking for faces or imagery in clouds and and, mm. and wading back and, you know, and catching the different things that I see. Because, I mean, it, essentially it's a, it's a, it's a waking living daydream. Like I always, my, my, the way my mind works, I naturally see faces in a lot of things like in the grain of woodwork ceiling patterns, trees, leaves, like my face, I always tend to gravitate towards faces, Yeah. but it's this kind of activity, right? Where you're, it just made me think about it when you were talking about that, right? There's like that, that bridge between the two, um, that omnidirectional force. So I was just curious, man, if you, if you were hip to that idea or if you've heard about it or if, if there's maybe even something akin to it. I haven't heard that specific term. If if you have the Chinese character, or if you can like, I can um, I can get it. I don't have it. I could probably I, I could ask. I can. I'll hit up Lily and then and ask her. Yeah, if I can if I can yeah, acquire that. I would love to see the character. Um, one of the ways I think about Dichi is there is like where are our feelings, man? They're in our body. What is our body, Earth? Yeah. Lots right? of material gunk, so, yeah. So connecting into our feelings and putting our awareness into our body is a little bit like that that Dichi. Mm-hmm. And then Dichi is, sorry, is terrestrial Chi, earthly Chi. And the other way I think about celestial Chi, heavenly Chi, Tian Chi, is I think a lot about our minds. Mm-hmm. Like, kind of like the cloud, you know, thoughts are kind of like clouds. Yeah, and, you're right. And, it's like, and that, that place where they find balance or harmony or resolution where your feeling body is attuned and your thinking body is attuned that kind of sweet spot Mm -hmm. i would also say personally that's kind of for me where the magic happens yeah you know and so um these moments where like where it's raining where heaven has made contact with earth yeah right and now all of a sudden earth is is open to heaven and there's like and you're not really sure where heaven and earth begin and the steam is rising from the forest and yeah and it's kind of luminal you know or like the sun is setting and the moon is rising yeah yeah man those in-between moments are um you know my my mom my mom has said this for years, man. She's like, I love my mom to death. And she's, my mom's a really amazing artist. She has an amazing artistic eye, but she's always called it the eye. Like she, she said that since I was a little boy, she's like, yeah, he's that person. Like they've got the eye, which is mean they can, they can, they can, they are hip to, they gravitate towards and are able to attune to these, these little intermediary spaces that you're talking about. Right? Like it's that, it's that those little tiny moments when they're able to catch the glimmer of beauty or the glimmer of, you know what I mean? That little, that little magic spot. If you can catch it, she's, yeah. like, she's like, yeah, they've got the eye. Like they've got that, that eye, you know, that it's just, they have it. Some people are born with it. Some people can learn it. 
right? It can be, it's definitely a skill I think that can be learned, but some people just innately have it. And when I find those people, when they innately have it, it's really nice, man. It's like, oh, yeah, it's beautiful. (laughs) Yeah, man. The eye and, and, and I don't know, like the, the, I like that idea of like the the one of the the reasons that we're here, you know, if there was a reason to be alive, it would be to play. You know. Dude. And it would be to it would be to see what's going on and then to put your own two cents into it, to perceive and to express and to like play, you know, play. And so, you know, that balance, like that's what a good conversation is. Oh, dude, so I true. I hear what you have to say, you hear what I have to say. That's what a good martial arts experience is like. That's what good business relationships are like. You know, yep. it's it's just engaging the self in reality mm-hmm. in a reciprocal manner. What mm-hmm. happens if I do this? How does it make me feel? What happens if I do that? How does it make me feel? Well, what if I did this? This kind of like trial and error evolutionary process. Yeah. That's that's the sweet spot for me, you know? I, I agree, buddy. I mean, I, I fully... I'm on board with what you're saying. And, and I, I really, this makes me think about something. Oh, we're, going, we're going deep shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's wow, great. I just realized like, we're like, we just kind of deconstructed the universe slowly. Over yeah, no, I love the- it. I love it, man. This is, this is, I mean, yeah. And it's like all around tea, right? I mean, it's like this little like microverse of talking about the process of tea and it's awesome. And that's why I like this stuff. You know, I really, I do gravitate towards this. It's really interesting to think about because I, you know I've said this with my clients and I've said this in other podcasts when I'm talking to people and we're t- I'm talking about emotions right people men in particular Western men there's sort of like a they'll brush over like oh feelings you know bullshit like why why even why, why even bother you know like why why feel anything and just and and men right by default we're a little more stoic I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing right I, I don't. Like men don't have to be women or or whatever or vice versa. But there's something in here where I'm always telling my clients where I I say to them, look, we are – emotions have no form, right? This is like we touched on this earlier. Emotions have no form. They have no structure technically in the physical. And yet we live our lives by them, right? Emotional decisions about our children, about our – like who we choose to marry. All these things, all these feelings technically don't have any physical weight, in 3D reality there but yet this immaterial construct is so hugely pivotal in how we live our lives and so yeah. when you start to understand that right that the immaterial the internal experience of humanity as opposed to just the external material world it's very real you know it's like it's it's valid and reasonable to consider that these things have weight and then if we can you know plug into the ways to sense to be sensitive right to feel to tune into these things i mean it's so damn relevant i it, it's very logical to me in a lot of ways to to conceptualize things in this way and there's um you know just as a side like tangent um do you know who uh ben shapiro is he's a real conservative right-wing kind of guy mm-hmm. in, the, in the political scene yeah, he's, uh, he's a really exceptionally well-spoken yes like the guy's Yes. He's Jewish too. He's right? Jewish, right? Yeah, conservative. Yeah, traditional Jewish, right? And he's like, I mean, the guy's logic and precision and words are a force to be reckoned with. Like he's just so yeah. it's unbelievable. And, and a lot of what he talks about, I really like. Right? I have some areas where I'm like, eh, but 
you know, one of the things he says is that, that actually bothers me, you know, like I'm a fan of him. Like I listen to his stuff and I'm like, God, there's so much of what he says that makes sense. And sometimes he goes too extreme, but he says, you know, um, you know, facts don't care about your feelings. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, that's true. But there's a completely different lens that I would say is equally as valid to process life through feelings, right? This is like the, kind of like the central pivot to to what we're talking about. But I think that's the yeah. ch- that's the challenge in the West, right? Is that to feel and to process and to consider things from the emotional spectrum is seen as lesser or inferior or inadequate. Like it's not it's not it doesn't have as much power or weight. And that's the that's the piece that I'm always. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say I'm wrestling with my clients. I'm always very, um, you know, gentle. And when I navigate terrain with my clients, when I'm working with them, I never want to make them feel bad for how they live or how they are. But I would say it's a challenge for Americans to to consider that feeling, right? To like process reality through the feeling spectrum is <clears throat> equally as viable as the um, the logical, right? The thinking that like forward penetrating thing that we do, you know, to, yeah. ex- to excess probably. Yeah, from a from, for me, from a philosophical standpoint, I'm not here to judge. We, look, we live in a thinking society. Yeah, we do. Thought-dominated society. I yep. mean, the power of thought has taken us to the moon and back. Yep. It's hard, it's hard to argue with the power of thought. Yep. However, as a being, I have thoughts, feelings, and emotions. Yep. And emotions are distinct from feelings. And feelings are distinct from thoughts. Yeah. And I'm more concerned with, fundamentally, what is the relationship between thoughts, feelings, and emotions? Yeah. Because they're all there for me. And this is where my study of Taoist classical metaphysics and the fundamental ideas of Jing, Qi, and Shen have yeah. really, really taken me. And... It's it all ties in with, you know, kind of like tea. It's like, look, man, we can't talk about temperature <laughs> without also talking about time right. and tea, ratio of, of the leaves to the water. Right. So it's like, man, if you think thinking exists independent of feeling, I, I'm just going to wholeheartedly, experientially, from the deepest part of my bones, disagree. Yeah. I think yeah. and feeling have a have a direct connection and relationship. And I think that thoughts, feelings, and emotions, my perspective on it is that they are interrelated and interdependent. Yeah. Agreed. And so to Agreed. live and to go through reality with with just your rational mind. Mm-hmm. It's like being a one-legged dude entering an ass-kicking contest. Yeah. Yeah, man. And, and there's a there's a certain amount of poison that comes with uh, solely relying on logic. There's a certain amount of um, because you know it's like it's like health and medicine, right? Um, you know, one medicine is another man's poison or woman's poison. So it's not a one-size-fits-all type thing and i think with yeah what you're talking about right like feeling and logic right and this is yeah, like the, I, mean, I deal yeah. i deal with people who are at the opposite end of the spectrum too who are yeah. like they feel too much and they don't think enough correct right well and that's like the age-old clash between 
you know, traditionally, right? Like men and women, right? Men are like thinkers, women are feelers. And, you know, and and like, and there's conflict in relationships with people because, you know, men and women sometimes butt heads and they don't link up. But I mean, it behooves both sexes or both, both parties or both groups of people or both political standpoints to, to do both, right. To like cross section that because it's like, I talk about this too, man left and right hemispheres of the brain. Like when we look at the left and right hemisphere of our brain, I mean, you can see it, right? The right brain is artistic, intuitive, and emotional. And then you've got the left brain, which is highly analytical, linear, compartmentalized, straightforward thinking. Yeah. And it's like, dude, they've like Da Vinci is one of my greatest heroes. And like, I have a karmic connection with that guy. Like I swear to God, when I read Leonardo Da Vinci's biography and his books, I'm like, this guy I would give anything to meet that guy. But they think yeah. his brain, they think that Da Vinci's brain was probably the most hemispherically balanced brain in the human history because the guy could do everything. He was like mm-hmm. a scientist, an artist, he could sing, he could dance, he could playwright, he was doing science, he was an amazing artist. Like that he did he was so well versed in both worlds they were like yeah he had both things firing at the same equal like 50-50 pretty much and so yeah. when, we, when we look at this stuff right like the left and right hemispheres of the brain i, I look at the cultures like this right eastern medicine man totally right brain intuitive emotional abstract feeling oriented then you got western medicine right the western culture totally straight laced forward moving linear compartmentalized um, rigid, you know, and stiff, but it's like in the end, you know, you can't have your left and right hemispheres of your brain fighting each other and hating one another. Like that's dumb. <laughs> like there's no evolution. Yeah. There's no evolution. Yeah, in look, that. At it, like, look at where China is. It's on one side of the planet and look where, where America is. It's on the other. They're literally the right and left hemispheres of the planet. Like different, right. Different like locales, right. Different spots. And they process life very differently, you know, in these, yeah. these philosophies that come out. Um, but I think, yeah, it kind of roundabouts back to this larger issue, right? Like you were saying, we all need to like think and we all need to feel and there's the harmony, right? There was a thread right at the beginning you talked about, right? The harmony, right? And, and finding, there was something yeah. you said at the beginning about finding kind of the balance between these things. And I think it's, um, yeah, yeah it's, it's important. So important. Yeah. Balance, you know, for lack, for better or worse, balance is my high ideal. Yeah. And if I seek, I seek anything in my relationships, in my, um, in my life, in my worldview, it's, it's, it's equilibrium and balance. Because when, when I feel balanced and when that sensation of everything, everything balanced, you know, not to be, um, and, and what, what that means in terms of, you know, whether it's my, yeah, whether it's my physiology, my health, my body's, you know, my health is balanced and in proper balance, or my checkbook's balanced, or my, you know, my tea space is aesthetically balanced, or, you know, a good balanced conversation, or, I mean, to me, it goes back to that idea that you just brought up of Ling. There's yeah. something super special when things are balanced. And I'm okay if they're unbalanced for a little bit. I don't mind the swings and the pulls, but yeah. 
I really, really enjoy that middle space, that middle ground, that, 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 that pole star, that central point, you know, <sighs> and too. like, you know, um, my critique of my culture is that we could be a little more sensitive. We could be a little bit more sensitive to the natural world. Yep. And we could be a little bit more embodied as a, as a species. You know, I'm constantly working personally yeah. to refine my, 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 my own personal embodiment. Yep. And here's why, man, because you know what happens when I don't listen to my gut? You know, when I'm not paying attention to a tight gut, like mm, something doesn't feel right. Yep. Everybody knows what happens when they didn't listen to their gut. Doesn't go well, man. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know what happens when I'm not listening to that little nagging injury, but I keep going anyway? What happens? It's like, <laughs> it's like what, what, what feeling does is it brings us into attunement of all the little the little subtle check engine lights. Yep. And you know what, man? Like, I, I want my car to run for a long time. I want my body to run for a long time. I want my bedroom, you know, to have a certain, to run in a certain way. I want my office to run in a certain way. Yep. My house, yep. home, my yep. life. It's All like, those things. It's like, yeah, and sometimes, sometimes my gut, my feeling body is aware of these things before my conscious body is. Mm -hmm. Sometimes my subconscious or my superconscious catches wind of things before I'm actually conscious of it, before I put a word to it or a name to it. Oh, yeah. And yep. it's nice to know how to play basketball, right? Like, I'm sure I'm sure this is the, the thing, right? It's like you, can, you could have played a thousand games of basketball like Michael Jordan maybe 100,000 I don't know how, I don't know how many basketball games he played but a lot <laughs> yeah a grip <laughs> but you know what game he didn't play he didn't play the one that he was showing up for tonight yeah so there was no there's nowhere could he watch a book or a tape or anything have no no way of knowing what was truly knowing in the same way that we've read a book on something what's going to happen right so michael jordan was great cuz he's bringing tremendous knowledge Mm -hmm. into the future, but he's also bringing tremendous sensitivity and, and presence and subtle awareness to this thing that's brand new. Yeah. This yep. game has never been played before. He hasn't been in the 1996, you know, when he right. showed up to the right. championship game. He didn't know what was going to happen. That's very true, man. So there's always this moment where where knowledge finds its limitation. Yeah, that's it. Really does. That, that, yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, there's a there's a certain point. You know, I mean, I hit that wall when I was in uh, grad school for Chinese medicine, and not to say, man, I'm not a scholar in Chinese medicine. There are far more brilliant people who have way more knowledge than I do, who are way more skilled and have a much uh, deeper and more vast expertise, but. I remember going through school and there was a point where I remember thinking, God, all of this stuff that we're memorizing and all of this knowledge that we're acquiring. I mean, I remember a number of times it got in the way 
of treating sometimes of treating people like you know using acupuncture using herbs i thought it's it almost can stall you and like you know when a plane stalls like on the way down you know and it just the engines cut out and you're kind of just drifting you get into this limbo because there's too much knowledge there's too much theory and you've missed or you've lost track of that feeling tracking sense that's just felt and intuited and you know some of the some of the best healing sessions i've had in my life i mean to this day came from people who had no formal training they were just tracking feeling and sensing and they were just present in that space you know so that i agree man there, there's a there's a point where knowledge has a cap it's really good i mean it can really help you i've learned a lot and i have a framework and i, I use it for my business and my platform and all of that but i hear what you're saying i agree i, I really yeah i really agree same same it doesn't sentiment. mean that we're not out there trying to increase our knowledge right correct i'm always no, it doesn't learning. mean that yeah. it's like I'm, I'm always thirsty but i'm i'm like why you know, why spend your life only focused on increasing knowledge? Like, I want to spend my life doing both. I want to yep. infinitely increase my depth of feeling and yep. infinitely increase my knowledge and just see where that takes me. I mean, Shapiro's not right. Like, knowledge doesn't care about feelings. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. But guess what, man? Feelings don't care about knowledge. We want both. Yeah, it's very true. You know? So it's like, it's not that he's off, but it's just, look, man, like, feeling and the world and the whole universe of sensitivity of art which is where tea for me is i'm you know yeah first and foremost i'm 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 a long before i'm a businessman i'm an artist yeah. you know long before yes you know, a martial artist like i said at the beginning i like living artfully that's what art is it's like a it's an it's a deep unobstructed awareness yeah. of one's own unique individual feelings and that's what I love, you know, like tea as a vehicle to give that to people, martial arts as a vehicle to give that people, this podcast as a vehicle for people to, you know, I hope your listeners get up in the morning and, and they walk yeah. around and like, have you spent an entire day walking through your life thinking about how your stomach feels? Yeah. How does your gut feel when you're mm -hmm. around this person when you're in this room? When you get into this car, dude. No, I mean it's. What's your gut telling you? We do that every day at the tea table, right? Yeah. First, we get the tea. That's a sense. Yep. Then we smell the tea. Yep. That's that's a, a more intense sense. Absolutely. And we'll man. feel the tea at the highest level, man. The, the guys I learned for, one of, the, one, of, one of my teachers, one of my biggest inspirations in tea, a guy named Chen Jin, his, his tea house is called Yunhai Zhugian. And, and it's this idea of yun, which is harmony or frequency or resonance. He talks a lot about what is the sound of tea. Oh, that's a great question. What is the sound of tea? That's like, sorry to get really deep, but that's a great question, I mean, man. Yeah, it's a very abstract, artistic question, but I love it. Yeah. So, I don't know, man. It's interesting. I love bringing people. You know, I love bringing people into my world. I love people like bringing people back in touch with their senses. Look, every piece of technology we have, 
whether it's the biggest telescope or you know the strongest telescope or the smallest microscope or anything else yeah all roads lead back to the five senses they really do man at some point or another so, right all you know five senses five elements right you know so that's a that's this, a good that's a good point, man. I've actually never made that link, but thank you for that. That's very <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Yep, five elements, five senses. Well, I think what I like about this, man, and, and I love that I love that this episode and this conversation went from talking about tea to the experiential and artistic expression of exploring life. Because in the end, right? I mean, that's that is what it's about, right? This the tea ceremony, this thing that you that you're doing that you're so passionate about, is a microcosm for. Um, it's sort of like a little mock experiment of what you, the tapestry of what you want your life to look like, right? You're, you're like intentionally crafting a space for a period of time and learning skill about flavor, enjoyment, you know, um, social connection. I mean, all the elements are present in a tea, in the tea ceremony itself. So I think it's so cool to see how this stuff, I mean, that's, that's the beautiful part about life and art, right? Art imitates life and life imitates art or, you know, which one is it? You know, it's, it's a two way street. Yeah. It's, it seems like, I mean, they're very linked, but I mean, I think these are the, these are good questions, man, especially now it's like, God, we live in such a weird crazy time man and people are so emotionally tense and constrained and um so contentious you know there's such a crazy the political it's so polarizing man everything that's happening in the world across the board scientific community politics um censorship i mean jesus christ the things that are it's just across the board it's like there's so many things and it's like these simple um dynamics of getting back to these simple things of living life and having quality experience in the context of something that requires skill is valuable is really, yeah. is really important right now. It, it's just, yeah. j just even as a way to reset the human spirit, right? Just to, totally. to reorient people into a sense that's not just so goddamn logical, linear, straightforward and contentious. It's like, Whoa, Whoa, mm -hmm. let's sit down. <laughs> let's drink some quality shit here. And really enjoy the layers and just have a conversation, you know, like that's, yeah. I mean, that's an art that's, I mean, God, man, it's, I feel like it's dying in American culture. Like people don't have conversations around this. You know what I mean? Feeling and having yeah. a, having a good conversation is like, I mean, it happens yeah. amongst good friends, but I mean, co collectively as a culture, it's not prized. It's not valued. It's definitely not encouraged. I mean, it's not a piece of what we're doing. So I love it, man. I love that. I love that you're doing what you're doing. It's good. Thanks, man. Yeah, I mean, I feel like a podcast is a little bit like this. It's like let's sit down, let's consciously have a a deep conversation. Yeah. And, <laughs> yep. And and that alone, it's like it's like you know what it's saying. It's saying that it's saying that we're stronger together. That, yeah. That my knowledge coupled with your knowledge, my insight coupled with your insight is going to take us and everyone who listens to us a little bit further. Yep. Well, let's hope, right? And, <laughs> yeah. And everything you said, that's partly YT because good conversations happen around T, man. You know, uh, you'll appreciate this. I'm My son, I have a five-year-old son, and I, I, I sat him down just the other day and I said, it's, son, you're, it has begun. It's time to teach you T. 
<laughs> and it's it's game time. It's, <laughs> it's game time, and it's it's all of the things you said. It's like, hey, let's figure this out. Let's let's figure out let's figure out the tea itself. How do we make you know what makes good tea? Because yeah. when whatever makes good tea makes good food. Yeah, right. Let's figure out good water. You know, if we yeah. have clean water, look. If we have if we have a clean ecosystem and clean water, that's pretty darn good. Right. Right. Like I'm starting him on the process of like, hey man, we're gonna learn about the leaf. We're gonna right. learn about the water. Right. We're gonna learn about earth. We're gonna learn about metal. We're gonna learn about fire. Hey man, be careful. Be careful of the fire. Yeah, right. This'll burn right? this'll burn the shit out of you. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all it's all in there. So I you know, now that I'm introducing my five year old, you know, in a deeper level he's always sat on my lap and poured tea with me, but now yeah. I'm really starting to um his language is at a place where we're no longer just going through the motions. I'm starting to plant a, like a few seeds. Yeah. I know that within this little, within this little, you know, five by five, this little square piece of, um, you know, of real estate that we're going to get to talk about everything you and I talked about tonight. Yeah. And we're going to do it as many times as we show up to the tea table. Yep infinite nuance you know as long as i'm around and if you know god forbid one day i'm not around he'll be able to walk to any tea table yeah and find all that same knowledge and wisdom pregnant within it yeah dude no it's such a beautiful thing man my 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 daughter is going to be three in may and i when i'm when i think about you know on a day-to-day basis very similar to what you're saying about your son like what i'm exposing her to to the best of my abilities right like whenever i'm cooking a meal because i'm a foodie and i just love cooking food and amazing food you know she's so curious about food and so like when i sit her next to the chopping block i mean i'm I'm sitting there i mean she's you know she speaks really well for her age but i'm i'm, I'm always breaking down like this is how you dice garlic you don't want to cook it too long. You want to sweat it so the aromatic flavor comes out, but you don't want to cook it too much because yeah. it gets bitter. You know, I'm like talking to her and like giving yeah. her, and I'm like, and we, I always have like my my salt and pepper and those bamboo, those bamboo containers that have like the swivel top. So like you have to pinch right all of. I, I never like shake pepper or salt. I pinch it, and so now she's just always like if I salt, she wants to salt. You know, she's so like immersed in the process. But I mean. This thing, you know, Tai Chi, I, I walk her through Tai Chi and it's like these little things that we can do, these things that are like gems for you and I, right? The things that we've come across that have been nourishing to us, that have, have sustained our life force and made us better. I mean, that's the yeah. coolest part, right? You get to pass it to your, your little ones. You get to pass it to your kids and like, and, and share that experience with them to the best of your abilities, you know? It's a pretty cool process, man. That's like the best part about being a parent. <laughs> it's so much fun yeah. to, to do it. So. I resonate fully, man, with what you're saying. Well, Taylor, man, is there anything else um, as we come up here on the on the two hours? And I apologize, man, that your your face was frozen in time the entire episode. <laughs> for the, oh, was it? Yeah, totally. Because yeah, like it never it never switched back. So that means like for this episode, huh. which is just funny, man, you're going to be frozen in time. But I find it interesting because it was such a good 
it was such a good conversation. So it doesn't really matter, man. I feel like the universe was like, it's not about what's happening externally. <laughs> so, um, but is there anything? Well, it'll help people, you know, feel, feel it. You know, you got to feel it. <laughs> right. right. Well, when you watch the YouTube, you'll see your face frozen. You have this like very surprised look on your face. It's funny. So um, wow. is there anything else, man, that you want to touch on? Um, I mean, I definitely want to circulate before we get off this. I want you to... Dude, toss out your your website, you know your social media stuff, anything you got. But and then if there's anything other point you want to touch on before we close out, you know, have at it. Um, yeah, I my website is madmonkt.com. So if you're interested in our mission and the teas that we're selling, um, we have a, a, a slowly growing collection of teas that are all sourced based on my a philosophy that I, you know, I slowly developed over 10 years of, of being, of, you know, fully immersing myself in the tea industry. Yep. Um, you can follow me on Instagram. I'm pretty active on Instagram. Um, I'm pretty responsive on Instagram. It's at madmonktea.com. I will. I'm, I'm, gonna, I also, I'm gonna. I'm gonna add you because I'm not. I'm not following you, and I'm going to. <laughs> oh, sorry. Not 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 madmonkt.com. It's just at madmonkt. Yeah. No. I'm just saying on Instagram. I'm gonna find you and definitely uh, start following you stuff because I. Yeah. I wasn't hip to your Instagram. So. And then I also do um, a lot of private education and private tastings in my IT space in San Diego. So if any of your viewers are in San Diego or they happen to be coming down to San Diego and they'd like to schedule an appointment and drink tea with me in person, um, you can contact me directly by going to my website and um, finding our email. I believe it's hello at madmonktea.com. So that's that's become my newest passion is doing um, one to five people group sessions, educational private tastings where we do deep dives like we just did right here. Sometimes they go anywhere from two to three hours. And uh, it's been a really, really, really fun journey doing um well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to claim this. I'm going to claim this now, man. I'm next time. Next time I'm in San Diego, I am so coming to get some tea with you. <laughs> I want you to throw down, man. I want, yeah, I want to drink some tea with you. That is for sure. Well, yeah, it's all by appointment only my, my, um, my personal, um, customers. Just, you can find me online and, um, email me or DM me on uh, direct message me on Instagram. If you happen to be in the area. And other than that, man, I just, I want to thank you for, I, what I find is when I'm in dialogue with people like yourself, it gives me an opportunity to grow dramatically. Like you have me expressing myself and seeing what I do in new and dynamic ways. And I'm infinitely grateful for that. So keep doing uh, what you're doing. You're, like you're, you're very welcome, man. Yeah, it was a pleasure. And I, and I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. I mean, yeah, I mean, I learned a lot, um, you gave me lots to think about, and I'm excited to see what what you're going to continue to do. So, yeah, man, the, the the respect is very mutual. So, I appreciate it. Cool. Well, thanks again. You and, bet, man. Uh, maybe we'll do it again sometime. Oh yeah, I think I think you'll be back on. We'll have we'll have much more to talk about. So, yeah, man, Taylor, thank you for being here. We'll uh, we'll talk soon. Okay. Take care, man. Adios.